The 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich has been talked about by people in many different ways, but first and foremost, she's the author of an extraordinary text, The Revelations, which is the earliest known text authored by a woman in English. Personally, she has been a friend and companion in my Christian life for over 30 years. I'm the Reverend David Simmons, Episcopal priest and oblate in the Order of Julian of Norwich. Thank you for joining me as we read and pray through the works of this extraordinary woman of faith and explore what she has to teach us about God's love. Good morning and welcome to Love Was His Meaning, reading and praying with Julian of Norwich. Before we get into Julian this morning, uh, and we're going into chapter 20 this morning, uh, let's do our small office that we do together. The link to that is available in the description on either the podcast or the live stream. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Let us say together to Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. He shall say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my stronghold, my God in whom I put my trust. He shall deliver you from the snare of the hunter and from the deadly pestilence. He shall cover you with his pinions, and you shall find refuge under his wings. His faithfulness shall be a shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of any terror by day, by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, of the plague that stalks in the darkness, nor of the sickness that lays waste at midday. A thousand shall fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Your eyes have only to behold, to see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your refuge, and the Most High your habitation. There shall no evil happen to you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder, you shall trample the young lion and the serpent under your feet. Because he is bound to me in love, therefore will I deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I am with him in trouble. I will rescue him and bring him to honor. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let's say together a prayer of Julian. God of your goodness, give me yourself, for you are enough to me, and I can ask nothing that is less that can be full honor to you. And if I ask anything that is less, I shall always be in want, for only in you have I all. Amen. So we continue today with chapter 20. We are still in the section um, around Julian's vision of Christ on the cross. And thus I saw our Lord Jesus languishing a long time, for the unity of the Godhead gave strength to the manhood out of love to suffer more than all men could suffer. And I mean not only more pain than all men could suffer, but also that he suffered more pain than all men of salvation who ever were from the first beginning and to the last day could measure or fully imagine considering the worthiness of the most exalted, honorable king, and the shameful, spiteful, painful death, because he that is most exalted and most worthy was most fully debased and most utterly despised, 
The most significant point that can be seen in the Passion is to comprehend and understand that he who suffered is God, seeing beyond this two other points which are lesser. The one is what he suffered, and the other for whom he suffered. In this showing, he brought partially to mind the exaltation and nobility of the glorious Godhead, and with that the preciousness and the tenderness of the blessed body, which are both united together, and also the reluctance that is in our nature to suffer pain. For as much as he was most tender and pure, just so he was most strong and mighty to suffer. And for the sin of every man that shall be saved he suffered, and because of every man's sorrow and desolation and anguish. He saw and grieved out of kindness and love, inasmuch as Our Lady grieved for his pains, just so much he suffered grief for her sorrow, and more beyond, inasmuch as the sweet manhood of him were more, was more noble in nature. As long as he was able to suffer, he suffered for us, and grieved for us, and now he is risen and no more able to suffer, yet he suffers with us still, as I shall say later. And I, gazing upon all this by his grace, saw that the love in him which he has for our soul was so strong that deliberately he chose the passion with great desire, and humbly he suffered it with great joy, with great satisfaction. The soul that sees it in this way, when it is touched by grace, shall truly see that the pains of Christ's passion surpass all pains, that is to say, those pains which shall be changed into everlasting, surpassing joys by the power of Christ's passion. So uh, here in chapter 20, we start off with uh, her having this vision of Jesus languishing a long time. That's interesting. You know, she says that, but we actually know from the, the biblical account that uh, the, the, the two uh, people crucified on either side of Jesus actually languished longer. You know, that Jesus actually, uh, part of the point of the Gospelers is that they, uh, the, the suffering of Christ on the cross uh, at that point was actually difficult um, for um your average Roman to deal with at the time. So they kind of, in some ways, minimize the amount of time that Jesus spends on the cross. But Julian is drawing it out in a more um, mystical way. You know, it's uh, she's certainly not trying to, to go against what the Gospels say, but uh, she's seeing it in this kind of long, extended suffering. And a lot of that has to do for her with who the person is who's suffering. Um, and... She says here, that there's a very difficult sentence here that I had to practice multiple times to try to get uh, the inflection on it right. Um, but I'm going to read from uh, Jenkins and Watkins and Jenkins, uh, the, their commentary on this. The unification with the divinity of Christ gave strength to his humanity to suffer more than anyone could or than everyone put together could. So the idea that Julian is coming up with is that Jesus didn't suffer as much as just one person. Jesus suffered more than all of us put together could possibly suffer. And the reason why why this suffering happens, and this is really important uh, to, to get from, from uh, Julian, and this is something I, I often preach when we're talking about the resurrection. It's not what he suffers or who he suffers for. It's who he is when he suffers. So when we're, we're talking in uh, terms around Good Friday, um, she writes here, um, let me make sure, considering the worthy, let's see, the one, that, yeah, there we go. The most significant point that can be seen in the Passion is to comprehend and to understand that he who suffered is God. That's the most important thing to remember. The other two points are lesser. The one is what he suffered, 
and the other for whom he suffered. So I remember when uh, Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ came out, and I don't really recommend anybody watching it, to be honest. It's, it's for some, some people, it's very moving. I had a really inter interesting experience in a, uh, in a, a theater full of ministers, which I'm not going to go into right now, but it was a very interesting experience. Um, but the, you know, the way I kind of put it is, to me, it was kind of pornographic uh, because Jesus, the, the suffering, the, the physical suffering of Jesus is what is, um, is, is what is played out in those, in that movie. Uh, and in the same way, Jesus, uh, you know, Julian plays this out, but she's always hitting it with these other images of, of, of Jesus in joy and Jesus's joy in suffering and Jesus's, and, and the blood being not just something that comes out of him, but something that is constantly uh, providing salvation. Um, the point of the resurrection and of Jesus's suffering is not what he suffers, because to be honest, Hundreds of thousands of other people suffered the same physical punishment as he did in the Roman Empire. Um, crucifixion was the common um, punishment for uh, treason at the time. Uh, neither is it for whom he suffered. And this is another point that modern Christianity gets into is like, we are so unworthy because it is us who he suffered for, you know, and, and we need to, to not think about our worthiness and we, we need to, to, to downplay our value that's also a secondary point for Julian. She says the most important point is to understand that he who suffered is God. Um, and that's where she gets into this stuff about considering the worthiness of the most exalted, humble king and the shameful, spiteful, painful death. So in Julian's understanding, you know, all she lives in a medieval society where everything is 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 ordered all the way from the the surf on the the bottom who who has very little direction, who's tied to the land that they're that they're born on, basically, or assigned to, all the way up to the king, who rules, as most theologians would put it at the time, by the divine right, who, a king who rules uh, by the right of God and by the will of God. So, way above that person who is the, the uh, and who has a huge amount of honor, that king, um, you know, you have to remember that there are different punishments in most societies with uh, royalty for murder and regicide. That regicide is a, a higher crime than murder. So if you're looking at an earthly king and regicide is like one of the worst um, uh, things you can commit in a society, then the killing of God, who is so much higher than any earthly power, is so much higher. So whenever you're reading Julian, you have to remember that she has this medieval conception of the high and exalted honor of God um, that is so much higher than anything else that the idea of being crucified is so much more horrific because of that idea, because of who God is. Now she says that now that he's risen and no more able to suffer, so she's entered into another uh, idea in medieval um, medieval thought is that the, the impassibility of God, which is actually kind of borrowed from Greek philosophy, that God doesn't have feelings in the, in the same way that, that human beings do, that God is unmoved. Um, you know, that, that goes in all sorts of different ways. But the idea that Jesus can no more suffer himself, despite all the imagery we've had of Jesus' body still bleeding and such, he still, he doesn't suffer because he is there with God. But yet he suffers with us, as she will say more. She gets more into this as we get further along. But Jesus continues to suffer with us. 
um, as he looks with a looks at us with pity and not with blame, which is uh, a, uh, a a concept we'll look on look at later on in here. Uh, he also foreshadows what she's going to start talking about in just a few chapters. Of uh, he simply he chose the passion with great desire, and humbly he suffered it with great joy and with great satisfaction. So the idea of it being that um, this great king beyond kings has taken this shameful death upon himself with great joy and with great satisfaction. It's not just that he's forced to be there. It's that he's there because this is what he needs to do for his beloved, for the creation and for all of us. And that is a mind-blowing concept. Well, it should be a mind-blowing concept for us. It's definitely a mind-blowing concept for, for Julian. This idea that this high and mighty king would care that much about her and the rest of humanity uh, in order to joyfully suffer it. It's, you know, um, in some ways, it's kind of like a knight riding off into battle. That's that's the kind of the um, the way that we think about it here, because she uses a lot of courtly language. And the souls that sees it this way, when it's touched by grace, shall truly see that the pains of Christ's passion surpasses all pains, meaning our pains, meaning what we see in our lives. That is to say, those pains which will be changed into everlasting and surpassing joys by the power of Christ's passion. And she will get into this later of... You know, she has this view of sin, that sin is uh, behoovely. We haven't gotten to this yet, but this idea that sin is just part of our nature. It's not something we can avoid um, in general. We can avoid specific sins, but we can't avoid the separation from God. It's just part of who we are, um, and it behooves us as human beings. So therefore, when God redeems us, when God washes that away, when all of this is over, when when we are with God uh, in finality, that those those sins and those pains that we have gone through in our lives will be changed into an everlasting surpass, surpassing joy by the power of Christ's passion. And we'll get into a whole bunch of that later on. But she's in this chapter, she's actually foreshadowing an awful lot of what she's going to be saying in you know, 10 or 20 chapters from here. Um, so that's where we are for today. Um, I like to remember, if I pull anything from this entire thing, you know, I titled this I Am, I Am Superman on here because of the idea that um, he, he's able to suffer more than all of humanity put together. And that remembrance that's really, really important, that it is the primary thing about the, the passion is about the person who is suffering, that, that that person is God, and not about the amount that he suffers or even who it is he's suffering for. It's the, 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 the glory of God that suffers, and that is, is what's truly important for Julian. We'll continue with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Today is St. Matthias Day. I ask your prayers for my parish of St. Matthias, uh, which supports this podcast. Today was also the day 
for anybody watch, uh, listening later, uh, that Russia began its invasion of Ukraine. So I ask us specifically today to pray for the people of Ukraine, pray for all those who are involved in this conflict, and pray for peace in the world. I bid your prayers and intercessions at this time. Let us say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Most holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching, who through your servant St. Julian revealed the wonder of your love, grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, our wills may be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for uh, Love Was His Meaning again today. Uh, just a quick announcement in the fact that um, I will not be around next week, so we will be doing a hiatus on this um, podcast uh, on the week of February 27th. Uh, we will resume on the week of March 6th, so the next podcast should drop um, on March 8th. Um, until then, uh, take care of yourselves um, and pray for the peace of the world, uh, and God bless. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. This podcast is generally available twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The text of Julian's Revelations used in this podcast is The Complete Julian by Father John Julian Swanson OJN and is used by permission of the Order of Julian of Norwich. The theme music is Julian of Norwich by Bombadil and is used under license.